This week on Raffi Reviews, Raffi Reviews, Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay, so if you hear any weird sounds, um, my neighbor's walking around upstairs and he weighs like 300 pounds or something because I can hear him down here. Um, we're going to talk about the Sonic movie today and my opinions of it. Um, I've been following this movie for a while, ever since the first trailer. Uh, I believe shortly after the first trailer I did a Raffi Rambles on it, uh, just talk about how awful it looked. Um, fortunately, I think I did a follow-up where I talked about how they changed the design of Sonic uh, for the movie. You might also hear some um, machinery outside. There's snow, so the plow guy is getting rid of the snow. Um, <clears throat> any other noise is probably just my loud-ass neighbors. Uh, enough enough passive-aggressiveness. Let's, let's talk about Sonic a little bit here. So, I saw this movie uh, Saturday, the day after it came out. Um... First impressions, I really like the movie. Um, I'm really happy that it turned out to be, like, good. Um, that's not to say it's perfect. That's not to say it's anything new or special. Um, but I think for what it was trying to do and what it was trying to be, uh, it does a really good job at that. And it's a fun movie, you know? Um, I had a lot of fun watching it. It's a lot of fun to think about, um, you know, afterwards. Just, you know, again, because of that, like stigma that, that Klima had to make. Unfortunately, I think Sonic the Hedgehog has sort of the Captain Marvel problem, where all the discussion uh, prior to the movie was more interesting than the movie itself. Um, what I mean by that is, before Captain Marvel came out, there was a lot of uh, back-and-forth disagreement between people who found it to be... Uh, what's, what, am I, what am I trying to say here? So with Captain Marvel, there were people who obviously weren't happy about the things that Brie, Brie Larson was saying uh, about the movie, but there are also people that kind of championed what Brie Larson was saying about the movie, and it kind of turned into a discussion of like, you know, how feminist can something be before it's it's completely like anti-male is I guess the 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 topic that came up before Captain Marvel. And when Captain Marvel came out and I saw it, it was okay, but it wasn't anything special or crazy or awesome. Um, it was pretty low tier in terms of Marvel movies. It was just kind of basic. I, I think it had a lot of room to grow. Um, but I'm using Captain Marvel as an example because Sonic has a similar issue with it. Um, the first thing we knew about this Sonic movie was, of course, the design, the kind of malnourished... Um, human teeth, uh, small-eyed version of Sonic that, you know, really got the internet talking. It was kind of this, it, it was, <laughs> it was sad because it was almost like, um, I think Sony produced it. Uh, I don't remember who directed it. I probably should have written down who directed the Sonic movie. But, um, like, my thing is, like, you know, the that first trailer came out, and we saw what Sonic was going to look like. And, you know, people weren't happy about it at all, because it just didn't look like Sonic. 
um, Jeff Fowler. That's the director's name. So Jeff Fowler decided to change the design because a lot of people were complaining about what Sonic looked like. And it was, unfortunately, it was kind of like, just like, sad to see uh, the Sonic movie kind of just like hand deliver their own um, critics by using that original Sonic design. Um, it, it was they were giving the internet something to laugh about, which again I I feel like that sucks. I've heard a lot of people, so like <clears throat> the 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 discussion wasn't that they changed the Sonic design because people complained. The discussion was, you know, is it the right, <laughs> is it within like the fan base's right to complain about? Sonic's design to the point where they change it was kind of the the controversy there because on one side of the debate sorry on one side of the debate you have people happy that they changed the design and and it looks more like Sonic and on the other side you have people who take you know an artist's work into into account you know because this this costed money. The I think the CGI studio that redesigned Sonic uh, went bankrupt after they were done or something. But you know you take into account the the hours the artists spent on that. You know the fact that the company went under directly after. So you have a lot of people complaining that because of fans and because of fan backlash, a lot of people lost their job. A lot of people put in more time that you know they were they were asked to do originally, and you know more people were told like that their work wasn't good enough and that kind of sparked this whole debate of whether or not you know it, is it better for sonic to look accurate and have a good design or is it better for artists to be treated fairly and that's you know that's a really big broad topic um from from my own like personal opinion i think I think you can tell a lot about the people who complained about this in level of, like, if they are an artist. Because I personally am not, but with stuff like this, I like to put myself in the shoes of other people and think, like, if I was an artist, if I did work for a CGI company or whatever, you know, what would be my work ethic? Because I, I apply my work ethic to things that I don't do so that I have a better idea of what my position would be on that topic. So when it comes to Sonic, if, you know, I was if I was working for this company and I was doing CGI and I was working on this, yeah, it would absolutely be a bummer that we would have to redo a lot of scenes in the movie and a lot of the CGI and everything. Because along with changing Sonic, there are other characters from Sonic's world <clears throat> who appear in this movie um, who I assume had to get their design switched to to match Sonic, who's more, you know, video game accurate. But my whole thing is, yes, it would suck to have to redo that work, Yes, it would suck to lose my job right afterwards, but I think, for me, like, I wouldn't be satisfied with the way Sonic looked. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's not a matter of, okay, there, I did it. It's a matter of, I want to make the best thing I can make. And, you know, the original Sonic design is is so, like, just shocking to look at now in comparison. It's it's crazy to think that this was originally the design. Um, it, it's just ugly. It's malnourished. It's it's uncanny. 
And and more importantly, it's not Sonic. It doesn't, you know, it looks like a shitty parody of Sonic. It doesn't look like the actual character. Um, you know, it's it's the equivalent of like when you Google real life Pokemon and it's just a mouse that's colored yellow. It just doesn't. That's not the character. That's not what they look like. And you know, this is coming from a person who likes superhero movies and you know acknowledges that characters don't always look the way they do in the comics. Um, but even then, there's there's limitations to that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so so with Sonic in that in that aspect, I am more on the side of it's good that they changed it. Um, I think it shows a lot of I think it shows good character of the people that worked for that company to, you know, use up more time and, and risk their careers on making their work look better. I think that's going to help them in the long run. I think, you know, when people see their resumes and they see, oh, you basically sacrificed your job to make your work look better, that's a good quality that, you know, you're brave. Um, but again, I'm not an artist. <laughs> I'm not a, a CGI um, uh, creator, employee, whatever. That is just my my stance on that topic. But again, like, it kind of sucks because this whole discussion of the Sonic design became so big, it really, like, the, the discussion was so big, it, it built up this hype to the movie, and it was just kind of okay as a film. Um, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie kind of fits into a genre that is kind of lamented by a lot of people, um, I don't know if there's really a word for it, but it's sort of a, uh, um, uh, it's like a fiction meets reality kind of deal where it, Sonic the Hedgehog is like the Smurfs, and I don't just say that because the main character is blue. <laughs> I say it because the Smurfs, Alvin and the Chipmunks, uh, Peter Rabbit, Hop, you know, movies where it's a CGI character buddied up with a human character and because of the cartoonish character and I'll, I'll say that sonic is a cartoonish kind of character because he is he looks you know he's an anthropomorphic animal like like mickey mouse or bugs bunny but you take this cartoonish character with a whole lot of personality and can do a lot of comedy can do a lot of movement and you pair them up with kind of a stiff uh dry comedy real human character who acts as their straight man it's it's one of those movies and it's not anything new that we've seen before. But I think, you know, in that genre of movies, of the, you know, cartoon meets human, buddy cop, whatevers, um, I, think this is a, I think this is a good example of that. I think this beats out a lot of stuff like Smurfs and, and Alvin the Chipmunks. Um, and while that doesn't sound like a real achievement because those movies are just kind of uh, children marketing, uh, this movie is able to kind of do the things that those movies are, are you know, are created to do while also kind of spinning out into its own universe and, and building up for a larger thing from it. Um, which is really the advantage of Sonic because Sonic is marketable to children. Um, and he can be, you know, sewn into, um, kind of basic movie plots like this. And the appeal of the movie will be the fact that, you know, it's a character with a colorful personality, but it's also a character with a large fan base. Um, you know, people know who the Smurfs are, but I don't, th I don't think people are championing for more Smurfs movies to be made. Um, the Sonic fan base is huge, and, you know, unfortunately, it has some darker sides to it. 
Um, but it's still a huge thing, you know, no matter what side of the Sonic fan base you're on, you will appreciate that there is a Sonic film. So, you know, it has that going for it. Um, so yeah, it, it, it fits into that genre, and it, it does pretty good with it, because, uh, again, it has that fan base, and it has that kind of wider universe that makes you want to see more movies from it. Um, it also helps that Sonic has comic books, video games, cartoons, anime, um, a whole lot of different revenue streams that you can pull material from, um, but I'm actually pretty impressed because there's a lot of original ideas in this movie. Okay, so I have some bullet points here, uh, parts of the movie that I just want to talk about and put my opinion out there for. Um, starting from the beginning, there is a Sonic origin story, which is, you know, always a tough thing to tackle because in the games he doesn't really have an origin. In the comics, I think there's two or three different origins for Sonic, and in the cartoons, I think there's maybe like one or two. Um, and even then, those are pretty old. But there's never been kind of a concise canon um, origin for Sonic or his powers, which is another big thing that they bring up in this movie. Um, but, you know, Sonic comes from this other world, which looks like Green Hill Zone from the games in live action. Um, and what's interesting is that when they start the movie off, they show that uh, when he was, a, he was a kid, like a, you know, I assume like a toddler, like a five-year-old or something, um, he had his super speed and, and he lived on this island. And his caretaker is an owl, um, I think named, like, Longbow, Longclaw, Longclaw, yeah. Uh, he has a caretaker named Longclaw the Owl, um, who's trying to keep him secret. Um, this is an original character, which I found kind of interesting. Um, on one hand, there are a lot of different Sonic characters, um, that they could have put in that role, but the other thing is that a lot of, a lot of the time, different Sonic media outlets like to create their own characters to kind of put their stamp on the series. Um, you know, there are characters from the Sonic cartoons that don't appear in the video games. There are characters in the Sonic video games that don't appear um, in cartoons. There are Sonic characters in the comics that don't appear in the video games either. So, every sort of source of storytelling with Sonic, you're bound to get one original character. Um, and that's true for, like, different series of games. Um, I know that there's, like, a raccoon character in the Sonic DS games. And in the Sonic Boom, like, video game reboot, but also cartoon, um, there's an entirely different raccoon character. So, you know, it's not uncommon for there to be original Sonic characters put into stuff like this. And I think it's interesting that the, the chosen animal was, like, an owl who's, like, bigger and not really amper... Uh, amper you know what I mean? Like four-limbed in the same way that, like, Sonic characters usually are. I think that's a cool choice, though. Um, I'm actually really down for the idea that Sonic's kind of mentor for a while was an owl. I hope we get to see more of that, you know, in sequels and stuff. Um, kind of like the background that they had together. But that brings up, like, the questions of, well, where are Sonic's parents? You know, how did he end up with this owl? <laughs> um... And, and as soon as we get, like, kind of this original owl, owl character, who, again, is new for this, this franchise, this Sonic franchise, um, we get some old characters as well suddenly appearing, because they're a tribe of echidna hunting Sonic. Um, if you don't know what echidna are in the context of Sonic, um, it's, the, it's the species that Knuckles is. Knuckles the echidna, who appears in Sonic 3, 
um, and then like Sonic and Knuckles and goes on to be a recurring character. Um, his race of animal creatures are Echidna. And it was like super jarring to see like an Echidna tribe in this movie. Um, mainly because like even in the games, the Echidna tribe is barely brought up. I know there's like an RPG game where they come in. They're kind of featured in Sonic Adventure 1. But like for the most part, they're tailored to the origins of a villain called Chaos, and they're tailored to Knuckles' origin of being the last Echidna. Um, so again, I think it's interesting that they're not only using Echidnas before they even have Knuckles out there, because again, Sonic, Sonic is a kid in the, in the beginning of this, but they're using the Echidna tribe as sort of like stormtroopers, as like kind of grunt villains that spur on Sonic's like kind of orphan um, background. Which, again, that's kind of disappointing that they felt the need to give him, like, a dead parent complex with, with, Long, with Longclaw. Um, okay, I didn't see the reason for that. I also didn't see the reason for why... It, it, they aren't super clear about this, but, like, Sonic is sent from his world to our world when he's a child. And then when we, when we cut back to him in the present day, he's, like, a teenager, so it's been, like, ten years or something. Um... I didn't understand if that was the case or if Earth is, like, the last place that he could go to. Because in, in the Sonic movie, you only see it briefly, he has, like, this map. Because he has a bag of rings that can teleport him anywhere he wants to go. Um, which is, I think, an awesome use of the rings. Um, they do kind of have a reference to the fact that when Sonic gets hurt and he doesn't have rings, it's much more brutal than when he does have them. Which is, you know, accurate in the games. Because in the games, if you get hit, you lose your rings. And if you don't have any rings at all, you die. Um, but I think it's a nice little reference to the bonus ring world um, that you get in the earlier Sonic games. Where you jump into a giant ring and it takes you to this other world where you get a collectible. So that's cool. Um, but, like, Sonic has a map in his, like, underground den <clears throat> that shows a bunch of worlds. Um, I might try to find that image online if I can. But it shows a bunch of different worlds, and, you know, of course, I think most of them are references to Sonic levels, but it shows a, a certain amount of worlds, and then it shows Earth, and it shows, like, the Mushroom Planet, which is, of course, like, um, I think it's called Mushroom Hill Zone from uh, Sonic 3, Mushroom Top Zone, I can't remember, um, Mushroom Forest, I don't know, but the, the point I'm getting to is, you know, I'm reading the wiki page... It says that he goes from Green Hill Zone to Earth, to Green Hills, Montana, ironically. Um, but I don't know how true that is, just based off of the the post credit scene in this movie. But I think we'll talk more about that when we get there. Um, but that's what makes me think like he doesn't go directly from Green Hill Zone to Earth, because he has that map and there's a bunch of places crossed off, which made me think that Earth and the Mushroom World were his last choices. Um, I don't know, they, I don't, I don't think they made that specifically clear. Um, but I don't know, I'll look at the map in a minute. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about the whole Echidna Tribe thing too, because when we eventually get to a third movie, because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a Sonic 2 and a Sonic 3 in, in, in a certain time, and knowing Sony, they'll rush the project, um, but my assumption is that eventually we will get Knuckles, and it will be interesting because Knuckles already 
like the the rivalry is already set up right there because for Sonic he's gonna look at Knuckles and be like, hey, your people like killed my guardian, like you guys killed my owl mom, uh, fuck you, <laughs> verbatim. That's what he'll say in this movie. Um, but it, but for Knuckles it's also like either a he's gonna get tricked into thinking that Sonic stole the emeralds because that's what always happens with Knuckles, um, or b and this is most likely. If the Echidna tribe is after Sonic because of his powers, likely so will Knuckles because he's the last of his race and he's the only one that can do that. So, you know, we might even get a case where there's not even emeralds in these movies and it might just be all about Sonic Sonic's powers. Um, which also makes me think, like, if he's, if, if as a kid Sonic had his speed powers and he's hunted by the Echidna, is it one of those things where the Echidna want to use his powers to get to the Chaos Emeralds, like, wherever they are, and collect them, because usually in the games, the Echidnas guard this thing called the Master Emerald, which is just a big, important item in the, in the Sonic universe, so are they hunting down Sonic so they can use his powers to get to the Master Emerald, collect the Chaos Emeralds, or, and I think this would be kind of interesting, are Sonic's speed powers connected to the Chaos Emeralds and the Master Emerald? Um, because, again, if we're going to look at the games for a minute, in Sonic 3, there's like a tapestry uh, in Angel Island, which is where the Echidnas are from, um, that shows like an ancient transcript or whatever of Sonic using the Chaos Emeralds to save the world. So I think that's kind of an interesting idea of, of, of like if Sonic's going to have kind of a destiny hero prophecy background. Um, because again, in, in the games, they never really like straight out say that that's the source of his powers. Okay, let's take a break from big brain speculation about this franchise uh, and actually talk about stuff that happens in the movie post the Echidna tribe. Um, so one of the things I like about this movie a lot is that, yes, it is Sonic. Yes, it's Sonic's sense of humor. It's his confidence. Uh, it's his need for speed. Um, you know, he acts the way Sonic. you would expect Sonic to act based off the video games. Um but what I like is that they kind of added a character aspect to Sonic that makes him unique. It makes him different from all other versions of Sonic. Uh, which is to say he's legitimately insane. <laughs> um, because he's been he's been on Earth all this time. And he hasn't been able to interact with anyone because he has to keep himself secret. And his loneliness... Again, him being lonely is a big plot point in this... Um, which is pretty apt because in the in the games and stuff like he isn't lonely. He likes being alone because he's he's he likes being alone. And he likes traveling and never being tied down to one place. He enjoys freedom, um, but it makes sense in this because you know he he doesn't have friends the way the video game Sonic does, um, and he hasn't experienced the things that the video game Sonic has either. But the loneliness is a new thing to Sonic in this movie, as is like. I, I think he's crazy, because you can tell. Like, he talks to himself. There's a scene where he's, like, fucking around in a therapist's chair, pretending to be the therapist and the patient. Um, you can tell he's kind of, you know... he. <laughs> I was just going to say he plays with himself a lot, um, but I want you to know that's not sexual. Um, but, like, he plays ping pong by himself, he plays baseball by himself, and, you know, he is truly alone, and you can see moments where he realizes that and that really affects him. Um, but you think it's good because like in the games, I feel like Sonic has always had the kind of the Dante problem where he's too cool to care. 
and so because he's so cool to care, there's not really a um, situations aren't as tense because if Sonic doesn't worry about it, then why should I, the 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 video game player, basically. Um, but in this, like, you see that Sonic has like some actual, you know, sadness in his life, and and I think that most people can kind of relate to relate to that, like being lonely and feeling like you can't interact with people is a very human thing. It's something that a lot of people feel. I feel like a lot of people in my generation absolutely feel that way. And I think that's an aspect that people might be able to relate to when it comes to Sonic. Um, so he's kind of crazy already, um, which works pretty well because Dr. Robotnik is also clearly crazy. Um, oh, I should also say that Ben Schwartz, uh, voice Sonic the Hedgehog, does a great job. I, I love him as Sonic. I think he works really well. Um, put him up there in the long line of successful voice actors who have voiced Sonic. Um, and then you have Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. So, I really like Dr. Robotnik in this movie. Um, and it, it comes down to a, a, two, uh, a couple of factors. Um, for one thing, and I, I tried to kind of blank this out of my head... Jim Carrey is acting... <sighs> Jim Carrey's being very Jim Carrey in this movie. <laughs> if that's... You know, like, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, Jim Carrey's back, he's doing his 90s thing. Jim Carrey's doing his Riddler, his Ace Ventura, that kind of thing. Um, which, yeah, he is, but I feel like it's... I'm trying to ignore the fact that he dances in this movie, but I think it's a, a very refined style of Jim Carrey's acting. Because Jim, Jim Carrey acts in a way that a lot of actors don't. You can tell he really gets into it. You can tell he really has fun um, with the role of Dr. Robotnik. And it, it's it's interesting, man. It's I, I don't want to give it as much credit as I want to just because like it's Jim Carrey playing a Jim Carrey-esque character. Um, but like his mannerisms, the way he behaves with other people, like... There's a lot of moments in this movie where I'm like, oh yeah, Dr. Eggman would totally do that. He'd totally act like that. He would totally say this or that. Something I really enjoy about Robotnik in this movie, he puts intelligence above all else. You know, like he... He kind of judges people who are, like, rural and, like, strong and played football in school. Like, he's... <laughs> he, he's, he's a... Um, he's like a vindictive nerd, you know? Like... The James Marston, who plays Tom Wachowski in this movie, like, Robotnik gives him crap about being essentially a jock that became a cop. Um, he gives crap to the people at the bar who are, like, Southern. Um, he, ju he just looks down on everyone, especially people who don't abide by intelligence and abide by, like, strength and, and personal, like, like um, motivation, I guess. Like, and, and the, you know, you get little bits of detail about Robotnik in this where, like, you know, he has fought people in the past. You know, he's probably, like, he throws a guy out of a window and, like, <laughs> punches another guy in the stomach. So, like, clearly he's trained his body to some certain degree. Um, although he can't take a punch, which is, you know, hilarious. Um, but you can tell he's physically worked on himself, but he's put a lot of time and investment into technology. So much so that he doesn't have friends. Which is, like, interesting, because this movie is about having friends. It's about having a home. Um, and in the case of Robotnik, 
we know that he is an orphan, we know that he doesn't have friends, and we know that he doesn't want friends, which makes him kind of an interesting opposition to Sonic the Hedgehog, because again, Sonic doesn't have friends in the beginning of this movie. He is an orphan in the beginning of this movie, but unlock, unlike Robotnik, Sonic has so much personality and he wants to interact with people. You know, Ro Robotnik like wants to be alone and he doesn't want to talk to people, and Sonic, all he wants to do is talk to people. Um, which, again, is just another interesting um, parallel between characters, which, I mean, we'll talk about that more later. Um, but I like Robotnik a lot. You know, you, you get a lot from his personality. You get a lot from... You get a lot of background from the things that he says. Um, I also like that his machines, for the most part, like his drones, are shaped like eggs. So that way when Sonic teases uh, Robotnik and calls him Eggman later on, you get, you know, Dr. Robotnik's Japanese name in there, Dr. Eggman, which they also use in the modern games uh, internationally. Um, so that's a, that's a cool way to work Eggman, the name Eggman, into this, because, of course, Jim Carrey is not egg-shaped. He's a skinny, kind of tall man. So kind of working the egg motif into his drones and his, his flying saucer or whatever, um, that works in a cool way. Um, a lot of his, a lot of Robotnik's outfits are cool, too. You kind of see him slowly evolve into what we know Robotnik to be in the video games. Um and again, just the fact that he places intellect so high up the scale, that's like the most important thing in the world to him, and it's the only thing that makes him feel important. There's a line in this movie where Sonic does something that Dr. Eggman doesn't expect him to do, and Dr. Eggman goes like, sorry, Dr. Robotnik, he goes, um, I did not expect that, but I expected to, to not be expected by something, so that doesn't count. Like, he... He really forces in the fact that he can't be wrong, he can't be shocked, he is he is the smartest person in the world. Um, which I think is just, again, a really interesting aspect of this character. And it's really something that I, I kind of forgot about Dr. Robotnik in the video games, because, again, he's kind of treated as just an evil villain who's, you know, hyping himself up. But uh, in this movie, there's just a much, there's much more attention paid to uh, with the personality and and where dr robotnik's beliefs lie basically um <clears throat> and then kind of the third important character in this is uh tom wachowski again played by james marston who played cyclops in the x-men movies unfortunately he also played the male uh character and the, the male human lead character in hop which again is another one of those movies of fiction meeting reality um, with the with all the human stuff, it's like, okay, I get it, thanks. The, the most interesting thing about Tom Wachowski and his human plot is that it plays parallel to Sonic's, like, arc in this movie. Because Tom is kind of the, the head officer in this small town of Montana, and he wants to go, go to L.A., and he wants to be, like, an action cop. He wants to, like, do stuff that matters... He wants to feel like a police officer, and he's willing to abandon his home and abandon all his friends to feel important and to do big things, um, which is parallel to Sonic, because Sonic can do all these amazing things, but he doesn't care. All he wants is a home, and he wants friends. So for Tom to give up his whole life and start over somewhere else just to feel cool... Um, 
you know, it upsets Sonic because, you know, Sonic would give anything just to have a normal life, um, which I think is really interesting. Again, it's it feels more like um, we're making Sonic a superhero. We're giving him, like, secret identity problems, basically. Um, Sonic can't interact with people because of his powers, because he knows that people will come after him if they know he has these powers. So th that's, like, the only interesting thing with the human characters. They're funny, sure, um, you know, the whole Donut Lord is th is funny. I, I like the fact that the Donut Lord kind of comes into play at the end of the movie, where Tom throws a ring. And the ring is, you know, it's donut-shaped, so that's kind of a, a little a little connection there. But, um, I don't know, he's he's fine. You know, the, and like the, <laughs> that's kind of the problem. All he can be is okay, because he's the straight man character. He's the one that reacts to Sonic's, you know, actions. Um, hopefully you know, in sequel material, um, he, they kind of flesh him out more. Maybe they talk a little bit about his backstory or, you know, he has some kind of interaction with a character that, you know, builds suspense and drama. Um, I will say I did like Tom interacting with Dr. Egg or Dr. Robotnik, um, just because they are such different people. Um, and I think the movie really, really like takes advantage of how different these two human characters are. So it's with the bar fight scene that I, I really have a my first big major problem with the movie, my first like game breaking problem. So the the bar fight is is great. Um it's it's a cool environment to put Sonic in. It's it's close enough to the whole casino motif that are in most Sonic games. Um but <clears throat> during the bar fight, Sonic uses powers in a way similar to the Flash and the CW Flash show, or more accurately, Quicksilver from the most recent X-Men movies. Uh, Sonic moves so fast that everyone else kind of freezes in place. Which, you know, it makes for a funny scene. It's cool to see Sonic um, be sort of smart and witty enough to set up all these traps so that when he reassumes like the, the, the normal speed of everyone else, all these traps go off and, and he and Tom are, are left like spotless. Like, it's cool. It's a cool scene, and it's it's cool to see characters do stuff like that and take advantage of the environment. Um, the problem is that Sonic can do that. <laughs> the The problem is that Sonic can ostensibly freeze time until he feels it necessary to unfreeze time because he's moving so fast, you see. Um, and the reason why that's kind of a problem is because it, it takes a lot of the tension out of the rest of the movie because you know he can do that. Um... You know, there's, of course, the scene where they're driving, like, Sonic and Tom are in the car, and one of Eggman's robots is after them, and it's in, <laughs> it starts off as a car and then turns into smaller vehicles as it goes on. But the problem there is that, in that moment, Sonic could just move so fast, he could go over to the car and, like, I don't know, take a screwdriver to it and pull it apart, or something, you know? Um... I, the the only thing that kind of makes it better than like the Quicksilver stuff is that like Quicksilver can move people because he's like a human, but Sonic isn't physically strong enough. I think to like like Sonic couldn't carry Tom all the way across the country. You know he's not strong enough to do that. He can do that with a turtle, sure, but uh, not a man. But like. Again, every action scene with Sonic is just like, why doesn't he just run faster than people can move? You know, there's a scene where there's a bomb on Sonic's hand, and it's about to go off. 
why doesn't he move faster than the bomb can explode and, like, take off his glove or something? Um, I don't know. Stuff like that is kind of a, is a game breaker. Most importantly, Sonic's ability to run faster, Sonic's ability to run so fast everything else stops in its place breaks the premise of the movie because, you know, the premise of the movie is that Sonic has to, he has to escape because he's been discovered and his rings will take him to whatever world he wants to go to. But because of Tom shooting him with a trank dart, Sonic mistakenly sends his bag of rings to San Francisco, to the top of um, the Transamerica Pyramid. So, you know, that's that's kind of the premise of the movie. You know, Sonic, and Sonic doesn't know how to get to San Francisco, is like the, the, the crutch here. He needs Tom to bring him to San Francisco so that Sonic can get his rings and then escape. Um, and Tom, of course, brings up that Sonic could get there faster on his own because he's really fast. But the problem is that Sonic doesn't know where he's running to. Um, which, again, like, it shouldn't matter. Because if Sonic can pause time with his speed, he can just search the entire country until he finds San Francisco. Or, more importantly, he can freeze time, go steal a GPS from a, a Best Buy, or go steal a map from a rest stop, and just navigate himself to San Francisco. He doesn't need to bring a human with him. Now, of course, the plot demands he does that because Sonic wants to be friends with Tom, and Tom needs to under like Tom needs Sonic to remind him that he has a good deal being in Montana. Um, but again, like if it weren't for Sonic and Tom needing each other to progress their their like character progressions, um, there'd be no point to Sonic traveling with Tom. Sonic could do the whole thing by himself. In fact, if this was a video game, that's exactly what he would do. You know, he wouldn't seek navigational help. He would just get it done himself. Um, so that's kind of my, my... That's probably my biggest issue with this movie, is that Sonic's powers make the premise, like, unbelievable. And not in a good way. I mean, like, I don't believe that this premise would work the way it does. Um... I also mentioned, you know, Robotnik has egg-shaped robots, like drones and stuff. He has a robotic car. I, I really like his robots in this. There is kind of a... Uh, there's a very brief label, basically, that shows that, yes, he does refer to them as badniks, which is what he calls them in the games. So that's pretty cool. Um, but... <sighs> sorry. What I like about the robots in this movie is that you know, at least the one we see, Eggman has, like, a lot of robots, and one of them, I don't know if there's, like, multiple types of robots that do this, but one of the premier robots is able to kind of sprout another robot from it. So there's a scene where uh, this robot car is chasing after Tom and Sonic, um, and they destroy the car, but then, like, this uh, two-wheeled, I guess four. Yeah, it's like a it's like a four wheel um, robot chases after them, <clears throat> and they break that one. It turns into a one wheeler. They break that one. It turns into a drone. They break that one. It turns into a, like a really tiny drone. So that's cool. I wish there was more of that. There's there's surprisingly not a lot of like robot fighting in this. There's like two or three scenes of Sonic fighting robots. Um, actually, there's like two. Yeah, there's two scenes of Sonic fighting robots. Um, but that's a cool robot. I also like that, because in the games, 
the badniks are based off of like insects, um, and when you destroy a badnik, uh, a little animal comes out because in the games, Doctor Eggman shoves little animals into robots. Um, so like when you destroy a robot, you free an animal, which is you know, kind of, you know it's cool. Um, but in this movie, it I feel like it's kind of a reference to that, like a robot being destroyed and then something else coming out of it. I feel like that might be a reference to that, maybe. Um, let's see. The, the the last, like, scene in, like, the movie, post, like, the ending. Well, I, I guess that's what I want to talk about next. I want to talk about the, the last fight in the movie. So, using Sonic's, using one of Sonic's quills that kind of carries his speed powers, um, Robotnik is able to make it so his flying airship his, like, personal jet, basically, can go as fast as Sonic. So, the inciting, like, fight scene at the end is the two of them, like, running through a city and, and Eggman is shooting at Sonic. Um, and, you know, everything else is frozen while the two of them are, are running and stuff. Um, which is really cool. It's actually something I don't think they've done in the games ever is Dr. Robotnik using Sonic's speed to power his machines. Um, the closest thing to that would be the robot copy of Sonic called Metal Sonic. But that's something they never really did in the games. So that's a cool original thought. Um, and then the the actual chase fight scene is, like, really cool. It's probably my favorite scene in the movie, actually. Um, Eggman is chasing Sonic, and Sonic uses his rings to take him across the world. So they fight um, next to the, the Eiffel Tower. They fight on the Great Wall of China. They fight near the pyramids in Egypt. Um, and actually during that scene, Sonic does like a move from the games where he runs around Eggman and creates a, a, a sand tornado. Um, so that's really cool. And then the, the fight ends in Green Hills, Montana. So, and then like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I get the awning. Um, you know, it seems like Sonic's gonna lose, but then, you know, sort of like every anime ever, Tom reminds Sonic that like, they are friends, and the fact that he has friends gives Sonic that extra power boost to get up and fight. Um, something I haven't really talked about in this movie is that, again, original to this film, Sonic's powers are related to electricity. Um, I think there's been little references to electricity and Sonic being a, a thing in, in the games, but like, it's never been presented that way. Usually the electricity thing is a Quicksilver or a Flash thing. Um, Sonic has always had kind of, like, an unelemental speed. If anything, it's, like, wind-based, I think. But, um, Sonic's speed has never been related to electricity, except in this film. Which is, you know, I, I guess they just want that effect, but, again, it might play into the secret origin of Sonic the Hedgehog. Electricity might play into his origin. Um, but, you know, it's not in the games, but I appreciate the originality. I appreciate that they want to make Sonic's speed, like, more important. Because it's his main tool in the games, and it's something that he's proud of. But there was never sort of an elemental, universal force to it. Um, you might say, like, oh, it's connected to the Chaos Emeralds in a way. But the fact that it's electricity-based in this movie, and... It, it just has more gravity to it. It makes it feel like an actual superpower and not just Sonic is pretty fast by himself. Um, you know, it, it 
it's cool. It, it again, it gives a unique aspect to this version of Sonic. Um, but I really like that last fight scene, like them going around the world and, and fighting. I think that's kind of cool. Um, I would have appreciated if Sonic, like, you can only assume he's like seen TV shows with those places or like, cause like, otherwise, how does he know they exist? Like, you'd have to read about them. Otherwise, it's like, oh, you have done some traveling. Why don't you know where San Francisco is? Um, if all these other places are further from where you are now. Um, but whatever, it's it's a cool scene. Um, and then, of course, like, you have kind of the theme in the movie, which is... Because, again, Tom chooses to stay in Green Hills, and, and he he gives Sonic his own room in the attic, which is cool. Um, I think it's also a nice little metaphor for Sonic... Starting from, like, starting from the bottom and then rising to the top. Because in the beginning of this movie, Sonic lives in an underground den um, in the dirt. And then at the end, he gets his own nice little, uh, like, nice little cot above his, like, best friend's house. So it's kind of a metaphor of how far Sonic comes in the movie. Um, so, again, the movie is about finding a home and being appreciative of that home. And it's also about choosing friends and family over personal glory. Because, again, Sonic's goal is to find a home and find friends. He doesn't... He likes having his powers, and he protects them, but he he finds a use for them, and that use is protecting the people he cares about. Um, for Tom, it's a reminder that he doesn't have to leave to be, like, proud of himself. There's pride here in his home. Um... Which I think is kind of interesting. I feel like a lot of movies do the lesson of sometimes you got to leave home or, you know, sometimes your true meaning is out there away from your home. Um, and then with Robotnik, of course, he fails because he has no friends, he has no home, and he doesn't seek that. He, he seeks glory and knowing and being smarter than everyone else and learning more than everyone else. And because he sought glory over, you know, love and home and friendship, uh, he loses, you know? Um... And so we get the first after-credit scene of Robotnik being stranded in the mushroom world, which it really is just mushrooms. Like, they pull out the camera and you expect to see, like, trees. No, no, no. It's just mushrooms on top of mushrooms. It's scary. <laughs> um, there's nothing to eat but mushrooms. Um, I wonder if Jim Carrey will come back fat in the second one. Um, but, like, we see that he shaves his head and he grows out his mustache, and he looks more like Dr. Robotnik in the games. Um, he also has, like, a hunk of machinery. I'm assuming it's, like, parts that he scrapped from his flying jet that, like, will still work. And, of course, he still has the quill from Sonic, so he still has access to Sonic's speed. Um, and he's gonna find his way back home. Oh, boy. And he's gonna be even crazier. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and then the real ending... The real post-credit ending, um, we see a portal, like a, a ring portal, open up in Montana on this cliff, and jumping out of it comes Tails, who is Sonic's like sidekick in the in the in the video games. And I gotta tell you, I have never been more hyped for Tails than anything else than this movie. Like he shows up, and I'm like, oh damn! And I think that's I think that's good. Because they don't use a lot, like, they use a lot of references to Sonic video games. But other than Sonic and Eggman, there's no one else in the movie until Tails. I mean, I guess, you know, the Echidna's at the beginning, too. But, like, there's no characters until Tails at the very end. Um, but he shows up in Montana. 
and he's looking for Sonic. And he, he spins his tails and he flies off to go find him. Um, really cool. I'm glad that when that portal opened, they had the kind of maturity, I think, to use tails. Because I imagine it would take a lot of restraint to not use Shadow the Hedgehog or Knuckles. Um, I'm glad they used Tails. Um, but yeah, again, I've never been so hyped for Tails before. So assuming that he's going to be in the sequel, he looks great. Again, you got to wonder what would have Tails looked like if they kept the old Sonic design. Um, probably bad. But like... What I like, too, is that you kind of get the summary of Tails right there. He is intelligent, he has a, a technological device, and he can fly. Um, and again, we don't know his relationship to Sonic yet, which brings up my question from the beginning of this podcast. Um, you know, did Sonic go right from Green Hill Zone to Earth, or somewhere in the... Like, did he travel to other worlds in the middle? Because, like, in the, in the video games, Tails, like, is Sonic's best friend. So, is Sonic 2 the movie, um, is it going to be him developing a friendship with Tails, or is Tails going to be from Sonic's past? Like, have they met on another world? Did they know each other as toddlers, or did they meet between Green Hill Zone and Earth? A lot of, a lot of open ends there, a lot of possibilities for that, for that, uh, that story potential. So I'm excited to see what they do with Tails in the sequel. Um, which we're definitely getting. <laughs> Again, that Sonic fan base is strong. Um, in terms of what I want to see in the sequel, obviously Robotnik will probably return to Earth, um, which I think, and it, what I think is going to happen, I don't think we're going to get Knuckles that soon, I don't think we're going to get Shadow or anything. I think we're, we might get Metal Sonic, who again is the robot copy of Sonic the Hedgehog. And the reason why is because Sonic, like, Eggman, ugh, Dr. Robotnik has enough tech on him at the end of the movie that he could feasibly build, like, a, like, three-foot-tall robot. And he, ha and he has a piece of Sonic speed. So I feel like those two aspects will help him create Metal Sonic, um, who, you know, either have no personality or he'll have some kind of inverse of Sonic's personality. Or just, like, it's Sonic's personality, but bad. Um... Which would be interesting because you'd have the setup of Dr. Robotnik and Metal Sonic versus Sonic and Tails. Which, again, I think is a really cool idea because there's a couple of aspects you can play with there. In this movie, Sonic the Hedgehog, as it is, it's Sonic Speed versus Dr. Robotnik's brains. And by introducing Tails and possibly Metal Sonic, you repeat that aspect because you have Sonic who is speedy... And, and Tails, who is really intelligent, versus Metal Sonic, who is speedy, and Robotnik, who is intelligent. So, you flip the speed versus brains concept on its head by having it pair off together, showing that, like, no, a brainy character can do a lot of good things. You open up the possibility of Eggman or of, of Robotnik fighting Tails, because, again, they, can't, they have a rivalry. They're both intelligent characters in the video games, they have mech fights all the time, which is awesome, so maybe we'll get that. Um, I think, t yeah, Tails also builds, like, a, a biplane in the in the video game, so, you know, maybe we'll see a biplane, that'll be cool. They'll probably just find it on a farm, because there's, like, a farmer in this movie who, like, he believed in Sonic before anyone else knew he existed, and he drew, like, photos of Sanic, the meme, which, 
that was like <laughs> that was bewildering to me because I knew there were going to be references to Sonic and the in like from the video games and stuff. I did not expect a Sonic meme to make it into this movie, but like that crazy farm guy could have a biplane that tails like suits up to make better. Um, you know, when Robotnik comes back and assumedly like has an, a fleet of robots or whatever. Um, but again, the the main concept there is that I really want to see Sonic fight Metal Sonic and realize that they are equals and it's not going to make a difference. And in order to get that extra edge, Sonic needs Tails, who is intelligent. Meanwhile, Tails is, is going to have to face off with an intellectual equal in Robotnik. And I think I think that would be really cool for Robotnik, too, because, again, he, he places intelligence above all else. He might actually find Tails to be, like, um, like a confidant or, like, an associate. Like, he might be impressed by my, uh, Tails being so in uh, intelligent. And then offended by the fact that he would still stand against him when they both have such similar principles. Because whereas Robotnik is intelligent and only intelligent and doesn't care about anything else, Tails is intelligent, but he also cares about his friend, which is Sonic. So, you know, and you can only get this from a live-action Robotnik who can show personality beyond, you know, what a video game can do. So, I think, you know, introducing Tails into this, this rivalry makes things more interesting for Sonic and Robotnik and just opens up a lot of person uh, a lot of like possibilities for Sonic's interactions with like other characters like the humans or like Robotnik. Um so uh, you know I'm really excited for a sequel to this movie. Um and I'm probably more excited for a sequel than I am for, you know, kind of like the basis of this movie because again, it's fiction meets reality. Human character, cartoon character, going on a road trip. Um, but I think there's some really good, you know, action scenes in this movie. I think there's a lot of interesting story details that you could definitely divulge more into. But I think the biggest potential of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is where it can go. You know, is the stuff with the echidnas, the stuff with Tails, the stuff with Robotnik. The strength of this movie is that it comes from such a rich universe of characters and stories and video games and the downfall of this movie is that it's sort of forced to be this this like buddy ride-along movie in order to fit into you know a film genre of some sort like this could have been an animated movie this could have been a fully animated adventure movie and that would have been fine i would have liked it way more but you know this is sony we're talking about so at the end of the day Oh, is it Sony? Have I been have I been blaming Sony this entire time? Uh, uh no, no, it's Paramount Pictures. No, wait, it's Sony Pictures too. Do they just do they work together on it? I'm gonna have to blame both of them. <laughs> um, but like my point is like, the filmmakers felt felt it necessary and felt the need to make it live action assumedly so like people take it more seriously i think and so that it get it gets grouped in next to detective pikachu which is also a great movie so you know it sucks that it came out the way it did i think it, it could have been way better but again there's enough there that you can build from that and you know even if i'm not crazy about sonic the hedgehog i'm i'm pumped for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I'm pumped to see 
what else can be done with this franchise. And hopefully Paramount and Sony and, and Jeff Fowler, you know, take what they have from this movie and realize, you know, where its flaws are and it improves on the concept. Um, because as it is, I think Sonic the Hedgehog isn't great, but it's good. I think it has potential. I think it's a good start to something bigger. Um, and for that something bigger to be related to Sonic, who is a well-known video game character, who's absolutely had, like, his downfall moments, both in video games and, like, cartoons and whatever, like, this is good, and it's it's good that it's Sonic, because Sonic needed this bump up. It, it needed this extra thing to remind people that the franchise still has some life in it. Um, so that's what I think. Um, as far as a grade, I'm giving this a solid B. I think... Again, it's not amazing. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't do anything like new or, or crazy or transcendental. It's not saying anything that I haven't heard before. Um, but it's good. You know, like it. It's a B. It's not horrible. It has its flaws. It's not perfect. It doesn't go beyond its own scope. It definitely could have been better. But it's a B. And I think that's good. I think that's a good grade for this, especially for something that is ex as experimental as the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. So thank you guys for listening so much to this podcast. Um, I definitely recommend going to see Sonic. Um, if I can find an excuse, I'll probably see it again or get it on DVD. Um, it's a great movie to watch with people. Um, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're really into Sonic, if you know who he is, or if you're like new to it. Um, I think you'll enjoy this movie one way or the other. Um, so go check it out. And, of course, go check out the Panel Biter on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Goodbye.